wanted to take a second and recognize my sponsors this week. You know, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage as Edge and List Group. That's a mouthful. It is. But guess what? It's a great opportunity. You know, you can build a big Amazon business. You don't need a lot of capital when you start. I mean, we all started, you know, well, most of us started selling books. And then you move into retail arbitrage. That is the place that you can turn your money the fastest in online arbitrage. And so by having that skill set, by learning those skill sets, you can get the best bang for your buck. And so Gay's group will help you learn online arbitrage. It's it's more than just a list service. They're going to give you a whole bunch of actionable inventory every single day, right? Monday through Friday. However, there's also a mentorship that goes on. And that mentorship is so important because sometimes it's great to know what to buy, but it's more important to understand why to buy it. Yeah, it's that you know, learning to fish or just getting fed. You know, you really want to learn because ultimately you want to strike it on your own. And this is a great way to do it. So how about seven days free trial? How about a free trial? Right. Very, very cool. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash is a mouthful. The word momentum. You got to use a hyphen and you put in the word arbitrage. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum dash arbitrage. And you're going to get a free trial in Gay's group. You got to tell her I sent you, right? I'll also have the link in the episode. But it's such a great opportunity. She is amazing, amazing. I'm in that group, so you'll see me there. An amazing, amazing person who's there to answer your questions, who's there to help lead you and help guide you. And that's what Gay does. She does it every single day. The testimonials are real. Go take a look. You will be blown away. And again, it's a free trial. I have the link on this episode. Reach in. You know, Seller Labs, uh, Jeff Cohen and the team, they have blown me away with this scope project. We use this all the time for our business. We do a lot of uh, private label. We also do a lot of wholesale and wholesale bundles, you know, or multi-packs, that kind of thing, which a lot of people do. But we use um, scope to help us figure out what are the keywords. And so it's really simple. You basically figure out where you're going to sell, what you're going to sell, what category, find that like product, find the top couple sellers, and find their keywords. Boom, magic, there you go. You copy the best because it's working. And guess what? That's a proof of concept, and Scope allows you to do that. So it's sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code word momentum, and you're going to get couple days free trial and you're going to save a little bit of money and you're going to get some free keywords it's worth every penny i'm in that group come and check me out sellerlabs.com forward slash scope again use the word momentum solutions for e-commerce karen locker great 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 group i've been using them for a long time I guess it's over two years and I'm in there and I pay just like everybody else. Yes, she's a sponsor of my show, but she makes me pay and I got the same $50 discount that you can get. Oh, by the way, you're going to get that through my link and my link only. Oh, and you're also going to get the free inventory health analysis. Great way to start 2018. Get your inventory in line and Karen will help you do that. We use them for everything. I mean, basically, uh, you know, long-term storage fees coming up. Guess what? She'll evaluate, she'll make some recommendations, and I'll say, yep, check, 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 take these out, this, return, blah, 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 and magically it's done. I love it, love it, love it. I love the fact that they take and get rid of stranded inventory for me. I see it in there, and then next time I go in and it's gone. Love it, love it, love it. Got an IP infringement? She's going to help you work your way through that. This is the kind of service that you get from Karen Locker. That's solutions for the number four e-commerce solutions for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum right so you got a forward slash momentum and you're going to save fifty dollars a month 600 bucks a year by just clicking that link she pays me i don't want to hide that i never do i'm always upfront about that but it doesn't cost you anything additional and you're going to get that inventory health report the only way you get that is through my link solutions the number four ecommerce.com forward slash Momentum. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 277, Todd Lammy. 
Todd is back. And man, oh man, it's so great to have him back. And he just blows me away in this episode because you're going to hear how much his business hasn't changed. It's been almost three years since I last interviewed him. His original episode was number 41. And guess what? Todd still has a head down doing the work. If you go back and listen to that episode, he talks about, and this blows my mind, I still think about this, that he was wholesale four years before he ever heard there were these things called Facebook groups. He just had his head down doing the work. And that's a suggestion to you. One of the most plain speaking, plain vanilla, um, vanilla snowball, I think was the term we came up with, um, just rolling downhill, um, growing bigger and bigger, because he's so consistent, so even in a positive way. What a great guy. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited to have tonight's guest back. And he's back after a long hiatus. I mean, this is about three years almost since we last talked. Todd Lammy. Welcome back, Todd. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate you having me on again. I appreciate you coming on. You are a busy, busy, busy guy. You know, in our pre-show, I always, you know, talk about different things. One of the coolest things for Todd, first off, his episode, uh, original episode is number 41. You were one of the early, one of my early under 50s. um, And now you're in the 270s. I mean, it's incredible to think it's been that long. But you haven't been sitting there bored to death, twiddling your thumbs. You've been busy for the last couple of years, haven't you? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the interesting thing with the wholesale model is, you know, it just continues to scale and grow. And so you just become more busy, more busy, you find more accounts, and it just keeps growing. That snowball effect is, it just picks up speed as you get into year three, four, five, and six in your business. And pretty soon it's this big gorilla of products and accounts that, um, becomes more account management at that point than really finding new accounts eventually. So, well, I mean, does it happen this way, Todd, you, you must fire some customers, right. Or some vendors, right. You just decide, Hey, I'm not going to carry your product anymore, Steve. Um, and you just vote with your feet, right? Yes. And I think that's the interesting thing. I was looking at my, uh, vendor list and at the end of last year, I think we were ordering from like 140 different wholesale accounts, Whoa, which is is way too many. Whoa. I mean, it's wait, wait, it's, wait. It's this is a giant a company, right? You've were, got this whole team, right? This, this, you got a staff of what, 20, 30, 40 people doing this? Uh, no, it's no. just me and uh, <laughs> just me and my wife. Just you and your wife. I mean, I, I'm, I'm being funny about it, but that's amazing. 140 counts. And it's not, wait, let's just qualify this. People understand Todd has a full time job. This Amazon business yeah. is not a full-time job. I mean, it become that, but that is not your full-time job. And, you know, it's funny. You still have the same job you had three years ago, correct? Correct, yeah. Same job, same company, plodding along, and you've grown this giant wholesale business despite that. Pretty cool. Yeah, so a lot of, uh, a lot of multitasking and juggling and, and extra hours working. Um, but definitely worth it. We've seen the business continue to grow, but yeah, 140. So we're definitely wide. And so, you know, we tried a lot of new accounts and there's some that, you know, or drop off and add, but to me, it's, it's, everything is a data point. Everything is, you know, collecting data, collecting information, and then using that going forward. So you'll try some accounts, you'll drop them. You'll be like, Hey, this Maybe it didn't sell well, but it had a lot of traction. So let me go find another wholesale account just like that that maybe has a better a better product that'll sell. And so it's constantly testing, evolving, tweaking, using the data that Amazon so graciously provides, you know, free of charge. Well, wait, looking me, at your I just Amazon want to hear that. Reports. You just said something. So you're selling this glass, Steve's glass that's sitting on his desk, and it was selling well. It just wasn't profitable enough for you. But it was a great product, right? It was, or it was... It was good. You then say, okay, there's proof of concept. Now let me go source it at a better price so I can make it profitable. Is that what you said? Right. So once, I mean, hmm. I use everything from my Amazon seller reports drives like every one of my decisions. I mean, sales rank 
doesn't matter to me whatsoever. It all is based off whatever is in my Amazon reports and data. So, yeah, so that's why I stay very um, category specific. So we have two Amazon accounts. One's focused specifically on clothing and shoes. And then we have a second account that's like home goods. And that's it. We don't sell like in every category. Um, because I'm focused on using that data and then going out and finding different companies within that category. So inside of, you know, clothing, you'll have socks, shoes, um, you'll have scarves, you'll have hats, you'll have winter gloves, you'll have shorts, you'll have long pants, you know, there's 20 different subcategories inside that main category. And so, we're working on exploring every one of those subcategories using the data that Amazon provides from all the different accounts we kind of get, test, see what works, what doesn't, go find more accounts, and it just kind of continues to evolve that way. Well, and I don't want to get too specific because I don't want to mess up anything, but let's go, let, let's just say you were in the home and garden instead of clothing or whatever. So in home and garden, we see there's lawnmowers and there's... Uh, weed eaters and snowblowers and blah, 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 blah. So you go then draw down into the lawnmower category. I'm trying to make this make sense. And then you get in there and you say, hey, lawnmowers sell, and they seem to sell this time of year. What other ancillary products are related to lawnmowers? And then, therefore, let's try that because we know lawnmowers are going to sell. Therefore, people are going to have to buy oil or they're going to have to buy blades or they're going to have to buy – I mean, is that kind of the thinking? Is that is that what you're suggesting? Right. It's just, yeah, it's thinking about the main product and then every type of kind of like accessory, extra part, peripheral, whatever you can kind of tack onto that, that you could possibly sell. Because you know they're going to sell. those accounts. Because you know, right, exactly. right, you don't have to worry about rank. You know that if somebody's buying a lawnmower, they're going to have to buy a blade or a, bad or a weed eater. They're going to have to buy string. That's a better example, right? So that's the logic. So therefore, the sales rank isn't as important. You just want to make sure that you have a good product. And so what differentiates you then? So when in using my weed eater and string, right, because everybody needs string, right? They got weed eaters because we know they're going to buy weed eaters. So they got to get string. How do you stand out then as the string seller? Um, so for us, we really focus on smaller companies where there's not a lot of sellers on the listing. So it's just a, a matter of choice. I mean, if there's, you know, 10 string sellers and we're one of the 10, that's all we need. We're just looking for, you know, a piece of the pie. We're not looking for the whole pie. So you're just going to get X amount of sales. And by having quite a few accounts stretching out over those X amount of sales, it just, you know, adds up at the end of the year once you, you know, put all the money in the bank. So, and then I guess, I guess this is, you're going to be like dust, Steve, but like if you sold those weed eaters, you sell them for enough years, you see the other things that, uh, you know, that sell along with it, right? You see, hey, customers also bought this. You see that over time. Your sales reps, do they help you develop products too? Like, hey, this is hot, Todd, too. People are buying this too. Yeah, um, I tend to just ignore the sales reps, though. I mean, <laughs> to me, it's just I, I just tell them it's like Amazon will tell me what to sell. That's my you, you are know, a data philosophy. Man. Now, Todd, dare we say, is in the computer world, so I just want to let people know that. Go listen to his episode; you'll understand that he is a uh, a computer. Uh, uh, I'm a Coleman nerd. You you know what you're doing there, don't you? Yeah, everything is computer driven. Like the salesperson wants to sell me best sellers, and it's like. You know, their their bestseller list is not geared toward the online space in most cases. It's a lot of times geared toward brick and mortar. So, you know, mm. Sa you know, Sally's lawnmower shop down the street is selling lawnmowers in in, you know, Texas and maybe they sell great, but online, you know, they don't sell the same. So having that bestseller list from them really does me no good. So that's why it's like we get the account, we'll try, you know, minimum quantities of each. We still even order, you know, three of a unit, six of a unit. We don't go crazy the first order. We test it out, see what the Amazon data tells us. No matter then, what, you don't order, you know, no matter what. I mean, that's the kind of a rule. You order just a couple of each, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, if it's a if it's a case pack of six, we'll try to get the case pack just so we can ship it to Amazon as a case instead of having it split into four warehouses. So... Some of those, but even if it has, 
even if we think it has, it's going to sell super fast, we don't order like 100 of them. We'll just order three, and then the next order we'll maybe do six, and then the next order we'll maybe do 12, and then we just kind of scale up from there. So it's just kind of like a, if you think about like steps, you just climb up the step, you start off the first step, you go up second step, and you just continue to grow until you're at kind of like that full velocity that's going to meet demand. But you just chart out, see what the Amazon data tells you, and then you just kind of build up from there. So we're not that's in discipline, a rush. Though. So. That's discipline, Tom. It is. And I think that's one of the reasons we haven't, you know, knock on wood, had any like huge losses or, or bad beats like, you know, some other people have, or maybe you have in retail arbitrage or online arbitrage where you go crazy deep in the price tanks. It's you order a few, test it out, order a few more, and then um, if something ever goes wrong, you're really, you know, covered. So we're never like too crazy deep on anything. We're have enough to usually care, cover a month of sales is usually kind of how we do it. Maybe two months at the most. Um, but that's about it. We're not like having six months of inventory at Amazon. It's just usually a month or two. So, you know, because of that, you know, like your rain man, you figured out that this price, these long-term storage fees aren't going to impact you as much. Um, because crazy deep could be 20 items if they never sell. Right. I mean, you'll have them forever because they're never going to sell. So by staying small, even though they could be a hit, do you run out? Do you run into the potential, though, of not being able to restock or you just move on from that? Because I'm assuming it's had to happen. Yeah, it, it happens. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, especially in like clothing where stuff goes out of print there. It takes a long time to get cut. So you're inevitably going to run out of stock. But, you know, I have have a uh, a forecasting template i've been using since i started you know I good, have old, yep, good, yep. good old excel i still use it we have uh i think like about five thousand SKUs we're tracking in it um we use that for our fork ordering it does everything we don't use any tools or pay for any service um just do everything in good old excel and you know, figure out what to order. We have a bunch of formulas and conditional formatting that flags stuff colors for us for when to reorder. And so, so it's evolved since I've seen it slightly, but it's still, it's still basically the same concept. We've adjusted maybe a formula or two and put in some like pretty colors for a couple of different things. I but... didn't get the pretty colors done. You didn't send me the pretty colors, man. You know, you but, uh, brother out. I'll, I'll take care of you. All but, right. uh, pretty, I like pretty colors. Yeah, but it's pretty simple because it was basically you download some CSV reports, you upload them into this thing, and Todd's like, hit this button, boom, 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 and then magically it's like, here's your forecast, here's what you need to order, boom. So it's not as complicated as some people make it. And you're talking 5,000 SKUs. I mean, we're not talking 150 SKUs. Because I'm, I've had sellers on that have sold you know, $5 million and they have 300 SKUs. Yeah, and there's no there's no right answer how to do it. I mean, I've I've heard you know people say that they have a 300 and they sell like the top one percent and and that's that's awesome. And so we have you know five thousand. So a lot of our stuff, if you checked rank, which we don't pay attention to rank, but if you looked at rank, it's probably <clears throat> lower rank. But you know we we're competing maybe against one or two other FBA sellers on probably more than half of our items. And so, you know, we'll sell a few here or there, make $10 an item and, and just, you know, it just all adds up when you look at it across all the different SKUs. So probably have too many SKUs and probably have too many accounts because there's people selling, like you said, more than us that have a lot less SKUs <clears throat> and a lot less overhead, but. Yeah, but they don't me, have a full-time job <laughs> in addition that you do. Yeah. And I, I think to me, it's like, it's almost kind of like Amazon when they start out, you know, they're just collecting every single data point. To me, it's yeah. like we're collecting every single data point too. So it's like we test this category, this subcategory, we have all this data, we maybe stop ordering that. And so it's just a collection of data to to make decisions that I think just make us smarter going forward. And so that's why I think we've been able to continue to grow and scale. Well, what about these price increase? So, you know, Amazon fees go up, I think it's uh, next month, right? Or this month or something. Um, and it's a pretty material price increase. I mean, real material on fulfillment for certain size products. 
does your model, are you able to uh, adjust for it and figure that out and see the problems that are coming before they become a problem and then make a decision either to be able to raise prices on it or discontinue? <laughs> to be honest, it's like I don't really pay any attention to the fees changes. Um, I'm kidding. And I see people in the Facebook groups, you know, getting bogged down by that. And it's like, oh, the fees are going up. And I mean, to me, it's just the cost of being in Amazon's playground. And so it's just, you know, it's going to come out of the, it's going to come out of the, it's going to come out of it at the end. But well, is it because you're not so deep? Is it because the product might not be profitable anymore? I guess that's the point, right? But that your model would catch that. Is that what happens? Or do you just keep selling it at a loss? No, your model catches it. So you can sell through what you already own, but because you're not so deep, it's not a big worry. <laughs> right. So using the template, what, what we've been doing, what we started this past year, so like each each week we can run a report that'll pull in, kind of like the um, the ScanPower uh, Evaluate tool where you can just run all your UPCs through there. It'll tell you your profit. Mm-hmm. So I pull that into our forecasting template. I have color code for that i can see every single item that what we're making on that item and i can check that every week so when i go to reorder if i flag something that let's say i set my conditional formatting at any item that's you know three dollars or less that maybe i want to go back and double check it or something i can just highlight all those and quickly see that when i'm going to reorder like hey maybe you want to cut that out maybe i want to double check on it and see if we want to order it again and and so we've put that in just kind of in light of the fees, but I don't worry about like, hey, I'm paying an extra of 75 cents for this one pound box. It's to kind of combat that we've just put in on a weekly basis when we do our reports, we also pull on the profit and just have that as one of our columns in our forecasting template. So basically, again, we're back to data is making your decisions for you. You're making, you're taking the emotion out of it, the love of the product, it's a data point period. Right. Exactly. Oh God. How do you, I mean, how many hours, I guess the hard work was developing the product, this, this, cause it's your own custom spreadsheet, but how many hours do you spend a week doing that now? Um, probably a couple hours. It used to be pretty quick, but now that we've added more products, um, so I don't know, we're maybe placing 20 or 30 orders a week, give or take on an ongoing basis as we kind of rotate through. So it probably takes a few hours, you know, a few hours a week to do that. But it's a small price to pay to to go through, you know, a few thousand SKUs a month that you're gonna that you're gonna sell, especially as we've started shipping things more to our um, like third party fulfillment centers, okay. you know, prep services. Um and you have more than one, correct? Right. So we're currently using two prep services, one on the West Coast and one on the East Coast. Smart. I remember this. You were doing that quite a long time ago. And it was smart because you could, A, take advantage of the market, but also, you know, if there's a particular issue, like these fires in California, for example, that could impact whatever was there. And so by having two different centers, it really allows you the flexibility. Do you, um, are you selling off of Amazon and any other channels at all? So we have a couple of, um, so we have three Shopify websites. The amount of sales are though are like nothing, you know, compared to uh, Amazon, but we have three websites. Um, so those are the only other place where we have products listed right now. Or weren't they, or wasn't one designed to help you get wholesale counts originally? Well, I think that was the premise of getting them was just to have another place to have them. So we have a site dedicated to women's clothing, a site dedicated to men's clothing, and then a home goods site. So those are our three sites. Okay. All right. So in the last uh, couple of years, you have definitely been consistent. I mean, so to me, it sounds like, I mean, a couple of things happened. One, your wife went full-time in your business, but Todd stays working. Two, you've grown your SKU and your account basis. Back in the old days, you used to go to trade shows and stuff like that. Are you still doing any of that? Um, So even back in the day, I think the most shows we probably went to in a year was two maybe at the max. Yeah, Dallas and ASD, right, I think those were the two? 
Right. So we've gone to Magic a couple years ago, which was the clothing show. We went to ASD last year in Dallas Market Center. And then same thing this year, go to ASD and then Dallas Market Center. So probably those two again. So So not a lot. Um, You don't have to go to everyone. Um, How are you finding your wholesale account? I guess now you're really not looking for more wholesale accounts when you got 140. Um, Well, (laughs) you never stop looking. You're always ah. looking because you can always, you can always upgrade. So there's, you know, it's just, I always equate it to stocks. You know, you have good stocks and bad stocks. You're always looking to upgrade and replace them. So, Well, you had a philosophy, right? Well, how many, was it 30 a day or 10 a day? I'm trying to remember because it's been a long time. What was it again? Yeah, if you make 10 contacts a day for the month, you should get, you know, probably 20 good wholesale accounts at the end of the month. And that was your rule. And and by the time you'd have you at 100, I think that was your math, you'd be at 100 within uh, X number of days. And you'd have a business, a full business. Right. Yep. So we're we're not making 10, 10 contacts a day by far. We've been much more selective about the, the type of accounts we we go after now. Just you know, because you you try we try to find accounts that have a wide range of SKUs versus accounts that have like three or four good selling products. And so um, the more the accounts you have that have a wider range of SKUs to order from, the less accounts you need, right? So if I can find 10 accounts and they all have 500 SKUs rather than finding 500 accounts that only have 10 SKUs, you know, it's it's kind of like that. So You mentioned Skin Powers Evaluate. Are you still using that or are there any other tools that you're using? Um, that's the only tool I think I pay for on a monthly basis is the scan power evaluate tool probably and basically you're taking the upcs and the prices from that other customer running them through that program and it identifies products for you to sell right and probably 90 percent of the things we're doing now is just for our own products just for the profitability on a weekly basis now because of the fees it's not even necessarily looking at other companies products it's mainly for our products okay Right. And I didn't even think about you know, that's what you were describing before. So you can run it back through and that'll evaluate your own. How about, um, have you seen a difference in the vendors? I, I just tell this story. I was just at a trade show and the vendors seem so much more knowledgeable when it came to Amazon. Uh, one particular company who I did land um, said, look, Steve, we're brand registered. We do uh, FBA. We've been MFing. Uh, for a long time, and I don't want to do it. I'd like to find somebody who can take that from me. Are you that guy? And that was the conversation. But it was like, oh my God, this. I mean, this guy knew everything. I was brand registered at Bubba. He rattled it right off. And more and more, or the other vendors would say, look, you're the 12th Amazon guy to come and give me your pitch, blah, 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 blah. What can you do for me? Have you seen a difference in vendors that you're dealing with? Or, um, or are they just you know, have the, any of them disappeared? Have they grown? Uh, any experience? So from what I've seen, kind of, so like at ASD that I went to last year, and I'd gone, I think the previous two years, the number of vendors had like decreased. Right. And when we went to Dallas Market Center this past month, there was like a lot more showrooms closed. So there was a lot, there's, there's more a consolidation of places closing and going out of business than I think there are like new companies coming on board. Um, so we've seen it both ways. We see even companies where they're saying, hey, we're trying to keep the few brick and mortar companies we have left. So we're trying to kick everyone off Amazon. And then we have the other people that are like, hey, we know that we need to be on Amazon because we are losing our brick and mortar companies and they are getting more educated about it. They're like, hey, we can label for you. We understand what FBA is. They know the acronyms, they know the terms. They're like, hey, we'll polybag, you know, for 25 cents for you. So I've seen it both ways. I've seen people where they're trying to kick everyone off because they want to really support the kind of dying brick and mortars they have. And at the opposite end, there's some country companies that are being proactive and realizing where the kind of market is headed and understanding Amazon and loving to have you sell their product. Have they have they come to you and said, Todd, uh, look, we need to reduce the number of Amazon sellers we have on this product, so therefore I can't sell to you, or because you've been with them for so long and consistent, it sounds like that you've been one of the ones they kept and they're probably telling other people? 
Yeah, I haven't had anyone. Usually, if they're kicking people off, it's usually because they're just going to sell to one company. Okay. I haven't for exclusive. Right for an exclusive listing. So I haven't had anyone say like, "Hey, we're cutting down to like three sellers." Um, It's usually it's we're kicking everyone off, or we're just going to go exclusively with one seller. So that has happened to you. Um, I think probably once. Once, once in the out past of a, year or two. Out of 140 vendors, only once. Okay. So there's no, you know, the world isn't on fire. It's not ending. That's not a big statistical uh, variation in any way. No, I, I think, you know, the the myth is always, hey, Amazon's going to come in on all my listings, all my products. I mean, I think in in the six years we've been doing this, we've probably had 250 to 300 different wholesale accounts. And of those, we've probably had Amazon maybe come in on five to seven listings total. So, I mean, that's not something that happens. They're not, you know, there's not, there's companies aren't trying to kick you off on Amazon. They don't want to not sell to you. I mean, you might hear that from a couple of people, but for every one or two companies that say, Hey, we don't like Amazon or don't want you on Amazon. You'll have another eight or 10 that, you know, want you on Amazon or want to sell to you. So one of the things that, uh, you don't, since you don't do a lot of trade shows, how did you find the 10 wholesale accounts to contact today? Um, some of it's looking on Amazon. Some of it's doing keyword Todd, research. Todd used to have time. a course, so I, I should qualify this. Todd used to have a course. He doesn't have a course anymore. And he used to teach these techniques. So don't give away your old secrets or anything like that. But but you were that consistent approach of, you know, one of the things that Todd would teach you is like, here's how to tell this as a distributor. Here's how to tell this as a manufacturer. Those, Which I think a lot of people have now gotten past that now because it's gotten easier for that. Yeah, so some of it's, you know, looking on Amazon. Some of it's looking on websites for trade shows, even though you're not going to the trade show. Right. Some of it's looking on job boards. Some of it's looking on LinkedIn. Some of it's doing Google research. Sometimes I'll get cold called by a company because they heard about us from some other salesperson in the category. Oh, that's cool. Um, sometimes sometimes uh, another a salesperson will be like, Hey, I heard about this account. Maybe you should check it out. So or a sales um, rep leaves probably, one company, goes to a new company, right? And they want to bring you with them. Right. Yep. Yeah. So there's probably seven to 10 different ways you could find accounts and they all, you know, kind of work. There's all, there's also websites dedicated to categories, kind of like trade association websites, you know, you can find stuff through there. So, but this is old school. Todd. I mean, what you're describing is an old school method. I mean, it really is, right? In the old days, the only difference is you would have went to the library and went through those journals and uh, the trade association um, books that they would have, right? I forget what that was called. Remember, they used to have those big books of, uh, was it not AM Best? It was one of those companies that would, you know, gather all that data and you used to go and look through it. And that's really what it is, what you're describing. How long does it take? To get to that hundred, I remember you know you had a number that was kind of a kind of a rule of thumb. What was it? Well, it it depends. I mean, if you're doing consistent ten contacts a day for a month, I mean, by the end of six months, you would theoretically have eighty to a hundred probably wholesale accounts. Um, but probably two percent of the people that would do that would be consistent and make ten contacts a day. And so, whether that's phone or email or however you know you would do it. Whether Wait, you actually it. picked up the phone, you would actually talk to a real person. No, no I can't I text them. I mean, can't no. I text them? No, I just send emails to everyone. I don't call anyone on an initial call, only if I can't find an email address on the website. But that's like you know one tenth of one percent or something. So not everything is just an email contact. And do you think that's still effective today? I know it was effective three years ago, but you think it's still effective today? Yeah, it it totally is because we just started doing like the home like the home goods kind of category over the last two years and we've have I think we're at about sixty five or so accounts over that period. So the same thing that worked, you know, when we started in year one, you know, I think works now. It's just but wait, there's all this software, there's all these fancy things. You mean it you could do it old school? Yeah, still old school. Mm-hmm. Todd, Todd, old school. 
you know, I, I think about why are you going to go to ASD this year? That'd be interesting. I know that the, besides the Prosper, which I just, uh, as in our pre-conversation, Todd and I were talking, I just had James uh, Thompson's interview come out. Um, and I, I'm, I love the approach they're taking this continuing education theme. I just think it's so smart. So that aside, why would you still go to ASD? I mean, it's going to be, a, you know, 1,200 people at the uh, at Prosper. So they're all going to be at the ASD. They're all going to be pitching their where, you know, their why they're better than Todd. Why are you going to go? So I go only just to talk to the accounts I have. So some people, so for me, I don't look at a trade show as a way to get wholesale accounts. I think what I've learned um, from the past, and especially going to the, the Dallas Market Center a couple of years ago is, you know, most salespeople, when you go there, they're expecting you to write orders, you know, because there's so many brick and mortar people coming. That's probably the only time they're seeing their salesperson. You know, when, when you they, you go there, they're expecting an order. That's what they're used to. You know, they're not used to really people coming up and asking for accounts. A lot of times the person in the booth is, in, is someone that might not be able to answer you. And so maybe that was my idea, you know, three or four years ago when I first went to a trade show, but I, I realized that, you know, the trade show is not the place to find accounts. So if, when I'm doing my research for like ASD, I would start looking now, or probably even back in January, doing all my research to find accounts. My idea would to get the account in place one order before the show. So that way, when I go to the show, I'm then, hey, my name is Todd from so-and-so company. We place this order from you. This is doing good. This isn't. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, thanks for ordering. Nice to meet you. You put the name to a face. And so you already kind of are furthering along the relationship. Well, it's back to your steps. You're now on the second set of steps. You bought your three. Now you're ready to buy six or not. That's that second set of steps that you were describing. Right. And so I think it's it's a lot. To me, it's just building relationships and establishing relationships, extending relationships to with your current things. It's not to find accounts at the show. You should do the research probably a month to two months in advance. Try to get the account set up. Try to place an order. Have that there. And then if you want to, then you reorder at the show um, using the information that you already have. Um, the other thing I do is I just walk up and down past every booth just looking for ideas. And so I'll just see something. It's like, hey, we sell something similar to that. I'll go back and do the research um, at the end of the night um, for that product then or something. So back to our lawn, uh, our, uh, our uh, weed eater example. So you're walking down the aisles and you're looking because you sell weed eaters or you're in that category and you happen to see, wow, there's this new, you know, I don't know guard that's add-on and so that would be a category that you might add on or you're selling a guard and somebody else is selling a similar one is it then is it then where you're trying to optimize that particular product where you're saying you know this one's either better or it's a better price is that what your thinking is there yeah especially um if there's maybe more skews more colors more variety better price point, free shipping. Well, what if the listing isn't there? What if, what if that, you know, you're selling, uh, back to my glass of water, you're selling glasses, um, and then you see other ones, the list, are you, are you willing to create a listing? <laughs> no, I'm so bad. Um, we don't create listings. Um, so you would just pass on it, that in that scenario? I would. If I had a, if I was doing this full time, I would create the listing, but it's just a time versus money thing. It's like if something's there, we'll uh, we'll you know sell on the listing, but we don't. You know, we've probably created less than five listings probably um, lifetime. There's just you know, it's just not enough uh, time. What we will do though is if there is an existing listing and there are products not on that listing, yeah, you go. we will, we will um, add variations. Add listing. variations. And so, so the one thing we've done is um, get the GTI and exemption letters, which are awesome. Um, and so you can just add the products without the code. And so in the last two years, we've done a lot of that. And the cool thing is, is that once you add those products, 
the majority of the time, people aren't going back to check the listing to see what's been added. And so in 99% of the time, you're the only one selling it. So you have the buy box 100% of the time. Yeah, you, you're exclusive on that item, aren't you, generally, because you're the only one. So where do you get the GTI letter from? Um, so on Amazon, they have uh, you know the exemption letter format. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a Word doc you send, send to your vendor. You say, hey, I want to add new products, I want to buy more stuff, make you more money, all you need to do is just sign this letter saying that your products don't come with UPC numbers. And then, Even if uh, they do come with them, you're just saying that they don't? Well, no. For the ones that don't come with them, if they do come with them, you can just add them on there using okay. the UPC okay. then. Okay. All right. Um, so, but if they don't... Or they come with the same. That's probably the better example, right? So so lots of companies, especially in clothing, use the same UPC on all of them. Um, and so let's just say we're selling uh, gloves. So for every color gloves, they, they, you know, think about it. From a retailer's point of view, who cares that it's brown or black? They just know it's a pair of gloves, right? So the way the old POS uh, point of sale systems would be, they just put in that UPC, put in the quantity, it, was, it came in, whatever, and they would just throw it in. Or sizes sometimes have the same UPC code number, right? But in this case, right. you would say it's a GTI exempt because... It's, it doesn't have its own unique code. I guess that's the right way to say it. Right, exactly. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure people understand it. So if it does have its own unique, you, you put that in and upload it, no big deal. And it's all, the, it's all uploads now. I mean, it's really not that hard to do. Right. And that's a – Amazon makes it so easy. And if you're, you know, spend some time with Excel and, you know, you do the flat file uploads and you upload, you know – 100 products, even in like adding new products, you know, it's like you can do it one by one through the tool or you can just do a flat file upload and look, you know, upload 100 in like two minutes. So, or I can just hand it off to Karen Locker and say, Karen, upload these and she takes care of it. For <laughs> me. That's what's nice about having an account manager. I must admit that's part of my team. They do take care of that stuff. Um, so, so as you move along, as your business has evolved, as things have grown, as you've expanded, um, have you been able to move a lot of the responsibility away from you to your spouse because she's full-time? No. So the only thing she's doing is just kind of the prep work for stuff we have sent to us here. Um, so we, we're probably about 50% third-party, 50% to us maybe. Maybe it's 60 And it's growing. Um, we're well, what's gonna... growing? Is it you're growing where you're outsourcing more? Right. Yeah. Okay. So Constantly, constantly uh, adding things. So we're probably going to be 70% um, by the end of Q1. We'll be 70% probably third-party prep service and 30% us. Um, but so we've taken a lot of that prep service, you know, off of her and sending that out there. Um and I'll probably have her start doing some more of the uh, accounting and administrative type things because she okay. has a accounting controller background. Well, um, plus, she's done the work. I mean, so she now knows. I mean, there there is something to be said from doing the the low end work to learn it, right? I mean, that then all of a sudden it starts to make a lot of sense. I think that's very valuable. Right. Exactly. So one of the other cool things that you're evolving to, and I think this, you know, where we'll we'll finish up with this. Um, and, and I hope people hear this again. So here's a gentleman who's been running this business part-time for years, right? Many years, um, not planning on changing things today. You know, that might change in the future. Um, but running a large, much larger than most full-time sellers business consistently for years, not chasing the shiny object. How many merch shirts did you upload this week? Uh, we do have merch shirts, uh, but this week zero. Zero. How many? Uh, well, I mean, we are t- we are going to talk about private label, but you're not running around. I guess that's my point: is that you're you're focused, you're category specific, you're really staying in on it, and you're consistent. That spreadsheet is the same spreadsheet from three years ago, maybe a little bit more modified, but that consistency. When you look at your sales, I mean, can you almost kind of project what they're going to be? I mean, like pretty close i mean did you know how your q4 is going to be and was it any surprise 
No, so yeah, so I was just talking to uh, someone about this um, today. So we project out the sales for every month for the whole year. And so we have a pretty good idea of what we're going to be around. Um, and so we should be within, you know, probably five to 10% at most of our mark for the, for the end of year, because the, the cool thing and is like, I can build out every single number using my spreadsheet. Right. So if I, we also track historical sales in there. And so if I've been selling for six years, I have every data point for every product sold in the last six years by just storing that in my, in my file or just having it in separate files and I can go back and reference it at any time, but I can take everything I sold last year and figure out, okay, we're going to sell that again this year and just multiply that out times the average sales price and figure we're going to add X amount of counts because that's what we do and give them a, a factor and so we do it we don't do it down to a skew level we'll do it at a vendor level and so we've forecasted out the sales for every single vendor for the entire year and then put that to a month number and then did our forecast for the year so i'm pretty comfortable we'll be within like five to five to ten percent worse i don't think it'll be that maybe eight percent off at the most but we'll be pretty close i think to our forecast so every person listening is saying oh my god you mean I could actually plan ahead and plan my year and actually have a reasonable expectation of what I'm going to take in, what my profit's going to be for a year. You're that forecasted. And this is one spreadsheet. I mean, it's not like it's several hundred. I mean, this is a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty involved spreadsheet, but it's basically one. And you can, you can really forecast that much data. Um, oh, God, Todd, you're killing me here, dude. You're too good. You're too good. So I'm, I'm going to give you like a cool little tip, Steve, just for oh, like a, like all right, a, just a between pro, us. pro tip. Pro tip. So, pro moment. Uh, I should get music for it. I should have like a da, 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 pro moment. That was the music. So uh, I've taken that spreadsheet and then I've broken out like for a vendor. And then for one of my vendors, you know, I sent it to them and I said, hey, here's what my projected forecast buying is going to be. Oh, wow. I like where this is going. And so... I said, hey, if I order X amount, can I order it and you just store it at your place for me? Oh. And every time I need inventory, you send it in for me to Amazon. Because so, we had it, issues where they were running out of stock. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And they're like, well, you know, we're a small company. We can only buy so much. Um, so I said, I know what I'm going to sell every month or buy. Or I know I'm going to sell, so I know I'm going to buy. And so I said, I'll just buy it. You store it for me, so I don't have room to store it here. I don't want to send it in all into Amazon and pay their long-term storage fees. But I leverage my spreadsheet then to place the order. They have it shipped to them because it's made you know, somewhere else. Ships to them, sits in their warehouse. Whenever I need it, I say, hey, send 50 of this to Amazon for me. They ship it to Amazon for me, and I don't oh, have to touch it. And deal. I also... And, and, uh, my out of stock for that, like in two years ago, Q4, I'd been out of stock probably on 50% of the skis. Last year, I was out of stock on zero. So this is a massive fix to a problem you had. You saw a big problem, and you didn't put a Band-Aid on it. You came up with a solution. So let me ask you a couple questions on that. Are you paying for the whole order one fell swoop? Yes. So that okay. I'm paying for the order. But okay. the thing is, because I'm placing a bigger order... You I'm get getting better price. Better price. Hmm. Let me just salivate over that for a second. All right. So you got to put up some cash. You get a better price per unit or whatever. So now all of a sudden it becomes a little more profitable. Are you sending them the labels then and then they're sending directly in for you? Um, I pay. I have Amazon just label them for the 20 okay. cents. So okay. they ship it to Amazon. Amazon labels it. So there's no additional cost nor savings in that scenario, but it's just that's the same thing. Okay, so so they store it. Um, have you? Oh my goodness, Todd, this is genius. So you got inventory squirreled away all around the country, don't you? You got you probably got stuff in my town. I'm gonna walk <laughs> by and it'll be a big note. Yeah, this Steve, this is Todd's. Go go near that. That's Todd's stuff over here. No, we don't cool. we don't have it at every company, but I think. As you kind of build those relationships and move forward, that's kind of some of the things you can do, especially 
when you're able to order, you know, as you grow in your business and you have more money to spend, you're helping those companies out too. Because think about it. I mean, this this company is so old school, they do invoices by hand still. They oh, don't even, nice. they don't even, and some of those companies that are smaller, you know, you'll find like that. So if you can go to them and they're like, Hey, I don't know what we're going to sell that, you know, they're not doing any type of forecasting. And you could say, Hey, I'm going to order 300 of this. And then they're like, Oh, because you're ordering 300 of this, I can now place a container order yeah. for another 700 pieces so I can make more, more, more money and sell to my other customers. So it's just, you know, it's just a win-win for them too. And so as you develop those relationships and you've, been with them for a while you can start leveraging some of those things to do things like that well this is a real pro tip have do you have more than one skew at a particular vendor where that's done where they're storing more than one of your SKUs? yeah so that that company they have about i think 10 different SKUs they're storing for us no kidding and and we're talking almost a year's worth of supply at month one in theory um, so I'm doing three months at a time. So okay. I placed the order in January. That'll be for like a quarter of inventory. Then. Okay. So maybe four or five months by the time it crosses over. So this is a very cool tip. To, uh, I've not heard of that. It's genius. It's a great way to lower your expenses, a great way to improve, you know, the, the uh, like you said, the delivery time. That's true just-in-time inventory. I mean, really, you could send in, you know, um, especially if you – if they're going to label for you, your stuff gets processed by Amazon very quickly because they want their money. Um, so you can, how quickly when you turn in inventory from them and say, okay, Steve, send in some inventory for me, how quickly does it go live generally? Um, they'll ship it the same day that I send them the order because it's just sitting there. All I have to do right. is stick the shipping label on it. It'll get into Amazon and the warehouse that it usually goes to, and because I'm shipping it as a case, so I don't have to worry about it getting split up. It's going to go right into the fulfillment center in that state. It's going to get labeled. So it's usually live within like no later than like the fourth day. <laughs> wow. And you still get the benefit of the cheap shipping rates from Amazon. Oh, dude. Okay. Pro tip moment over. I don't have ending music to end the pro tip, but that was a very, very strong one. And that's something I have not heard from anyone, but it makes perfect sense what you're describing. It makes perfect sense. Um, all right. So because you're not busy enough uh, with a full-time job and more than a full-time business and 5,000 SKUs, 140 vendors, you're delving out in dipping your toe in the private label world, but it's, it's qualified private label. It's, I mean, you've taken the best part of wholesale and the best part of private label and kind of found a way to merge the two together. Let's talk just a little bit briefly about it because it's new to you. Right. I mean, these are products you got. They haven't gone in yet, but it's new, but it's pretty cool. Yes, I think that's one of our um, things. Teen is private label wholesale. So we're getting wholesale products made by one of our current private label companies. Um, this you mean one of your US. wait? You mean one of your current wholesale accounts? Right. Sorry. Yeah. One of our okay, current yeah. wholesale accounts. <laughs> yeah. We mixed them up. So you're getting a private label made by not white label is, either. Right. So it's going to be our, so we created our own product. They said, Hey, we have a product. We're like, we're going to modify that. They said, we can modify that for you. And we said, cool. It's made in the United States. We don't have to worry about overseas planes, trains, automobiles, <laughs> freight forwarders, agents, inspection, customs any of that stuff which i know a lot of people have success doing it and that's awesome but you know i've always been very risk adverse so it's like u.s and i think it it's nice to be able to put made in the usa on a listing mm -hmm. um and so we got our first two products shipped to us so in that case we will be creating a listing because of it you know Whoa. it'll be our own uh our own brand so we'll take the time to do that um but i think that's kind of a evolution a spinoff from the wholesale but the reason is is because i have the data already so yeah i'm not worrying if it's going to sell and my idea is i'm not doing giveaways i'm not going to be doing all these bells and whistles and P ppc and all the other things that um, other private label sellers do 
my thing is I know what sells. I pretty much know what the keywords are because I've been running ads for a similar product for the last two years. So all I'm doing is taking that data that Amazon has graciously provided me with. I'm going to basically pick up the same listing, move it over to my name, right? Just taking that same data that I know that this SKU sells, you know, a hundred units a month. And I'm taking it over or taking it over using the same, you know, information, creating a new listing. My product will be, let's say, a blue cup instead of a red cup with my logo on it. And maybe I don't sell 100 units a month like the other company. Maybe I sell 40, but I'm at, you know, 100% buy box with whatever the profit margin is. And again, it's just getting a piece of the pie that'll just add to the, the total at the end of the year. Well, let me ask you that because that's a, that I know somebody's going to be thinking the same way I am. What's the difference in the margin? So you're buying from this company wholesale, and you're buying the red cup, and you're you know you're making a dollar profit, or it's costing you a dollar. Let's just make it that way, right? It costs you a dollar for that wholesale item. Um, now um, you're going to buy a private label blue cup. How different is the price? So my cost is actually the same because they have to do a minimum run. So you're not saving any on the cost. If I ordered a lot more, you would save on the cost, but the initial order isn't. Okay. Your savings isn't really savings per se. It's just more profit because there's not five people that have lowered the price by a few dollars. It's you're selling the price. So instead of selling so it's that- It's exclusivity. So how do, you, how do you ensure, though, that they're not going to come over and say, hey, Steve, I got these blue cups in the back of my truck. Would you be interested in something? How do you ensure that that they're not going to? I mean, is that just because of the relationship again? Maybe that's the right all the way back to is developing relationships. Is that's where you've gotten to? Well, it's two things. It's the relationship and making a modification to it that someone else wouldn't think of unless they saw it, and the only way they would do it and there's no way to tell who made the product really because the company I order from, there's no information on the product. So Okay. So they don't it, know it's coming from them. Okay, I got right, it. Right, right. Yeah, so there's like a, a red cup in a brown craft box that has no markings on it. And so now I'm gonna have a blue cup. So if they order it and they think like, hey, maybe it's made by this company, it's like if you get the box, you can't tell. The other thing is the company doesn't um, there's nowhere on their website that they offer a private label. There's okay. nothing that says they do private label. It's just from having a conversation that says, hey, you know, would you do something like that? I said, if you order X amount, we would do that. And I said, okay, I'll order X amount. So it's, you know, relationship, having the conversation, just asking the question and then just moving forward with it. Dude, I love it. So smart. And, you know, you don't have to save a million dollars, right? Or you don't have to save, you know, 40 cents off of that cup because, you know, by the time you get done with all those other fees, and, you know, the potential of things going wrong, you know, that might outweigh the, uh, the savings there. So, um, oh, I think it's, Todd, I think it's a natural, like you said, an evolution of that relationship. Is it because, you know, I guess you already said this, but you really haven't lost a lot of wholesale accounts. You lose some and you gain some. But looking down the future, you know, that part is either going to get harder, right, or there's just going to be fewer companies. So it's naturally going to get harder. And so by doing what you're saying here, you're, you're still getting that, you know, the best benefit. And I guess the other thing to think about, too, then, is the fact that they're manufacturing for you. That's probably a little bit of a different relationship, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it doing the manufacturing, I think, only just strengthens the, the wholesale relationship, right? So... Think about this too, if you're saying, hey, we really like your product and the manufacturing you're doing, we're gonna buy from you. And then if it ever does come to the point where maybe there's 10 sellers on the listing and they wanna cut down to three, and you're saying, hey, this guy's you know, buying you know, $5,000 a month of private label products from us, we don't wanna make him unhappy and lose you know, when they go to, if they ever do make that decision, that's just kind of another Another like you know check mark on your side of the ledger for yeah um, it's almost like you're working in two departments that are rowing for you saying no we got to keep Todd because you know he's in this department and this department we got to keep him he's uh, so <laughs> man oh man all right Todd final question you know 
some people get stuck. And I think you've given, you know, your advice is put your head down, contact 10 vendors every day, 30 days, 60 days, six months, you're at 100 vendors, you've got a full wholesale business. Is that still the advice you'd give to somebody who's stuck in this world and trying to figure it out? Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be 10, uh, 10 contacts. I think the biggest thing I've seen, you know, when I had the course and, you know, the reason I did the course was because there were so many people that had, you know, misconceptions or myths or were saying things about wholesale that just weren't correct. I was like, hey, you know, it's not correct. You can do this and you can have a full time job because I have it. So everything I was doing was, you know, proof of concept. And so and you still have it <laughs> and still have it. And so it. It, I guess, saddens me a little bit when people come back that, you know, we're in the course and they come back a year later and they're like, hey, you know, I went off and chased this shiny object or I tried to do this. And, you know, are you still doing wholesale? It's like, yeah, still doing it. And they're like, well, what's new? What's like the latest thing? It's like nothing's changed. It's still the same, you know. I put a and new color so, in my spreadsheet. I got new colors on my spreadsheet. Yeah, I, I got some <laughs> new new colors. Um, but, you know, they go off and try something else. And it's like, you know, if you just, if this past year when you went and tried to do something else, if you just would have, you know, made the contacts, at the end of that year, just doing like minimal, minimal effort, you would have like, probably 20 accounts by accident almost. And so, you know, you spent the whole year, you went off and did, you know, whatever, chased the object, you missed out on 20 wholesale accounts, and now you're going to try to start all over again. And so you're just kind of falling behind in a way or not getting as far as you could. So the main thing is just consistent, same thing, head down, consistent effort, consistent action, and People will get accounts. People will tell you no. They'll tell you yes. You'll just add accounts. You'll lose some. You'll find some that doesn't have profit margin. You just move on to the next one. And by the end of the year, those that have taken action. And it was pretty cool. The The cool thing when I went to um, ASD last year and I ran into a few people from our Facebook group is, you know, I met a few people selling over a million dollars a year and they don't talk about it. They're not in the group, you know, bragging about their numbers. And, um, when they first started off, they weren't doing that much, but they took action. They just did the work. And at the end of the year, it's like made a sold a million dollars worth of stuff. That's pretty cool. So, you know, it's good to see that the people that a lot of cases that took action and maybe not everyone had those same great results, but they had some type of result by, you know, getting accounts and, and getting sales and get more accounts, get more sales. And it just grows wash, from there. Rinse, so repeat. wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. Exactly. You don't have to, you know, the new year starts, you don't have to worry about finding new products. If you're doing RA or OA or like, how am I going to replace this $50 item that I sold a hundred from Walmart last year? It's like, you just go back to your vendor and you just do a reorder and then you just do a reorder, you know, week after week. And, just, I'm telling you, it's just a snowball. It's just like You're one like big... vanilla, Todd. You're like vanilla, plain vanilla. Yep. Vanilla snowball rolling downhill. Vanilla snowball. That's, ooh, you get, that's a merch shirt. Vanilla snowball. Love it. All right. Somebody has a follow-up question. Best way to get in touch with you, Todd? Um, they can find me on Facebook. Okay. Um, I'll put your link there. Okay. Um, man, oh, man. I'm... <laughs> You know, this is like the conversation never stopped from three years ago. This is basically the same conversation we've had. Um, and you were doing virtually the same thing, Todd, uh, virtually the same thing. You got new colors in your spreadsheet. Uh, I do like the idea of what you're talking about doing, that private label. And I love the pro tip, man. It is just awesome that it's just so smart. And uh, I, I know somebody's going to be like, there's a light bulb going on in somebody tonight. And they're going to be like, oh, I get it. I see it. Man, I, I, I thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Hopefully, I'll see you in the next couple of weeks. And, man, I just, I just can't wait to catch up again. Take care. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Man, oh, man, isn't that exciting? Imagine, I guess, you know, maybe it doesn't sound that exciting. Maybe it sounds kind of plain. You spend the last couple of years with your head down, again, focused on growing accounts, maximizing opportunities with those accounts, 
developing relationships, just keep buying and buying. Actually, not developing face-to-face relationships. Todd said that he doesn't like that part. And yet, your business is exploding. Hmm. Sounds exciting to me. You know, Todd kind of even. He's very humble, but he's kind of even. That's why he's doing so well, because he does it, he follows through, and he's consistent. That spreadsheet will blow your mind. And it's just so neat to see somebody who's done the work, nothing fancy, and is having incredible success. That's the lesson. It's not fancy. And you can have incredible success, too. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.